Hello, you are listening to NPE Stories. This is a podcast where NPE can share their story. I'm your host, Lily, and I found out I was an NPE through an ancestry DNA test that changed my life forever. NPE is a term that stands for not parent expected or non-paternal event. This means that one or more of our parents are not who we believe them to be. NPE Stories is a podcast where NPEs can share their story of what their original family was like, how they found out they were an NPE, and what their journey has been like since the day they found out. Welcome to episode 15, where today I am talking to Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hi, Lily. How are you? Good. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. And I'm sure you know the format of how this works, but today I'll just have you share what your original family was like, want to talk about your childhood, and then you can go ahead from there whenever you're ready to tell us how you found out you were an NPE. Okay. Um, I grew up in a small town in northern New Jersey, and I had a half-brother who I always knew was a half-brother. Um, who was 15 years older than me. I didn't really know um, until I was a teenager how we became um, half-brothers. I learned that his father and my my mother got married right out of high school. They had him, and he left. He walked out when he was about 18 months old, never to be heard from again. So he abandoned them. Um, So my mother raised him as a single mother in the 1950s, um, which was, you know, pretty rare at that time. And um, she had declared him dead when um, my brother was about seven years old, although she knew he was still living. Um, And growing up, um, so he was my only sibling. I had a mother and father and, um, I always felt like I never fit in anywhere. Um, <clears throat> with my family, I felt like I didn't fit in because they would talk about the good old days when they lived in Brooklyn and stories like that. I felt like I didn't fit in at school. I always felt like I was on the outside. Pretty much anything in my life, I just never felt like I was part of it. Um, we didn't see our extended family much. I had two um one aunt that lived in Brooklyn, an uncle who lived in Rockaway, New York, and another aunt that lived in Albany um, on my mother's side. And um, I was pretty much kept away from them a lot. Um, again, never understood why. Um, just figured that's the way it was. Um, I grew up, I left home, went to college, got married. Have I now have three children. Um my mother passed away in 2006, and the man who I thought was my father passed in 2012. And while I was cleaning out their house, I found an envelope that contained a marriage certificate that was theirs, but it was dated for 1988. I was 23 years old at, in 1988. So apparently they never got married until I was 23 though they had always lived as man, as being married. And in the envelope was also a letter from an attorney that said that they had lived as common law man and wife, thinking it was legal, and that those years should be counted towards their marriage. 
So that was a shock. That was the first shock. Um, yes. And I never knew why they never got married. Um, I did find out later that they decided to get married then because my father was entitled to a pension and had they not been able to show that they were married, um, they would, um, my mother wouldn't have been able to get her portion of the pension had he passed first. Oh, I see. Um, but again, I don't know why they didn't get married back in 1964. So, um, you know, I dealt with that and, you know, moved on. And then in, I started hearing about people doing their DNA testing and finding out like they had little portions of a nationality they never knew about. And I thought I was fascinated. So on Christmas of 2016, my husband gave me an ancestry DNA kit. And he told me, you know, that he, he's a researcher. So he like researches everything. And um, he's like, well, I researched all the companies and I felt this was the best one. So I did it. And I got my results back in the beginning of February and I got a message. It was at night. I had already put my, um, I had two children at home. My husband was out of town and I had put my two kids to bed. And then I noticed I had a text message saying my results were in and I opened it up and saw that it said I was 49% Irish and 48% English. My father, who I thought was my father, was 100% Swedish. His parents had come to the U.S. from Sweden in the early 1900s. But it didn't really hit me then. I was just like, oh, wow, I'm more Irish than I thought. And then the next morning, I was driving my uh, daughter to school. She was 18 at the time. And I said to her in passing, oh, it turns out you're more Irish than we thought. And she goes, what do you mean? And I said, well, I'm 50% Irish. And she's like, oh, okay, that's nice. And then all of a sudden it hit me that if I was that Irish, then there was no way that who I thought was my father was my father. So I didn't say anything to her. <laughs> and I came home and I started to research the how valid the tests were and found that they were 99.9% accurate. And um, I texted my husband. He was in California. And he immediately called me. And he kept saying over and over, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I kept saying, you have nothing to be sorry for. Um, I'm actually glad I know. And the questions now, like what happened? Who was my father? And... I said, I have no doubt that these results are right because my parents, I've already learned they've lied to me. So what would make something else? Um, after that, I, the following day was my, actually my half brother's birthday. So I was going to call him anyway. So I called him and I said, um, I told him what happened and he just said, huh? And I said, well, I have some questions for you. And he's like, all right. And I said, was mom dating anyone before she got, before she got together with Lenny and had me, was there anyone else in her life? 
And he said, well, you know, that was a really long time ago. And I said, yes, I'm well aware of that. I really have to think about it. And so I questioned him, like, why do you have to think about it? Either she was or she wasn't. And he said, can I just call you back tomorrow? And I felt like I had no choice because I didn't. So I said, sure. And he called me back the following day and he said, yes, she was dating someone. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you right away, you're better off with being raised by Lenny. And I said, why? And he said, well, I don't think he was like the marrying type of guy. And I think, you know, Lenny did a good job of taking care of you and providing for you. So I think you should just be relieved that that's how, how it worked out. And I said, well, that doesn't help me right now because I want to know who it is. And he said, well, all I remember is he was um, a roofer. He worked some kind of construction and he was Irish. And I said, well, what was his name? And he said, I don't know. It was some Irish name. And I said, well, can you, you don't remember the name? And he's like, no. And then he said, well, it was probably like a Connor or O'Connor, maybe McConnell. And I said, it was Connors, wasn't it? And he goes, I really don't know. And I said, the reason I said that was when I was about nine years old, I was snooping in my mother's nightstand and I found a picture of a man and he was by himself. And I asked her, I said, who is he? And she got very flustered. And she said, oh, don't worry about that. And I go, no, who is he? Why do you have this picture in here? And she said, well, that's someone, that's somebody Connors who was a cousin of your brother's father. But I knew she wasn't telling me the truth, but I didn't press it. She was the kind of mom that, you know, when she told you not to ask a question, you didn't ask a question. So, but I had always, I just kind of, I guess, filed it in my brain. And then it came to me that day and I said, I saw a picture of him. Unfortunately, when I cleaned out my parents' house in 2012, I found the picture again but I threw it away because I didn't think it had no relevance to me. So I figured, why should I save it? Um, my brother also explained to me, he said, you know, um, your mom and Lenny, who was my birth certificate father, um, they had been dating for quite a while. And then one day she came home and told my brother, we won't be seeing Lenny again. And so he thought, he was like, okay, and then she started, um, my uncle owned a bar, like a neighborhood bar. And my mother and my aunt used to go there quite often. And my grandmother actually helped out at the bar. And my brother would be, many weekends would spend it at my aunt and uncle's house so that my mother could have her quote unquote freedom. And he said she met someone in the bar who was friends with my uncle and she was dating him. And then one weekend I went to our Aunt Mary's house and I came home and she told me that she and Lenny had gotten married, which I thought was odd, but I didn't question her. And then he said the following day he came home from school. He was 14. And she said, oh, we're moving to New Jersey because we need to get a new apartment, um, a bigger apartment. So we're moving. So they very quickly 
left Brooklyn and moved to New Jersey. And he said, also told me that she has, she changed a lot when she moved, that she became very subdued, very, almost like a recluse. Um, she was not very social. She did not go out. Um, she just kept very much to herself. And he always attributed to, you know, just becoming a totally different person. Um, I had heard that part of the story before that she changed when they moved to New Jersey. I always thought it was because she was moving to a suburban area. She wasn't in the city anymore. She wasn't working. You know, her lifestyle was different. Um, And growing up, I always noticed she kept very much to herself. She didn't get involved in, you know, mom groups or anything like that. Um, So I took that information and I started with my ancestry search. And I kind of went down on my matches and I noticed that I had a match on my maternal side who was a cousin that I had, I had known we lost touch. And so I contacted him and asked if he knew anything and he and I reconnected and we emailed and we spoke on the phone. Um, and he said, you know, I can ask my sister who was very close to my mother at one point um, but he said, I have, I have no knowledge of any of it. And so he asked her, she said she didn't remember anything, but she did recall my mother was dating someone and they used to take her and my brother with them, like to go on, you know, the amusement parks or to the beach. And then all of a sudden when my mother got quote unquote married, my birth certificate father, all that stopped very abruptly. Um, so then I kind of went through all my matches and figured out who my paternal matches were because if they didn't match my cousin, then they were on my father's side. And I started con I started contacting each one of them at trying to give a brief story of the timeline and if they knew anything. And there was one woman who responded to me and her name's Kathy And she comes up as a second or third cousin. And I told her my story and I said, I think the last name is Connors. And so she said, well, my mother had a cousin who was Connors. Let me look back on my records. She had done genealogy research for over 20 years, the old paper and pencil way. And she would go to the... um, the library and research it. Um, so she got, got back to me. So this was probably in April of 2017 by the time we connected. And she said, yeah, my mother had a, a cousin named Marie. And I remember Marie was from New York and she had two brothers, but I don't recall what their names were. So um, we just kind of kept up the conversation. And then she found the two brothers and she said there were two brothers, but the one apparently died in 1991. And so I thought, oh, and there was another brother, but we could never find any information on him. So I wasn't sure if I was going down the wrong path. And for a while I had to step back from it. I had, it was too overwhelming. Um, I asked my husband to take it over at one point um, because I just, 
I felt like I was too wrapped up emotionally into it. Um, and then finally, um, it was actually in September of 2018, someone responded back to me from my original email from probably March of 2016. And he apologized profusely and said, I managed my mother's account. I never saw this message, but I took the liberty and looked at your tree. And I think you're a McCarthy. And I could not understand how he got that. So we spoke and he tried to walk me through how he figured out. He figured out that's how his mother and and I connected. So he said, you could be a McCarthy on the male side or the female side. And of course, a lot of Irish families back then had huge, you know, numerous kids. And it was like a needle in a haystack. So he helped me tremendously. And then in Jan, it was about January, February, I started to pin down the family because I knew it was where the McCarthy's and the Connors connected. And they, um, I came to this one family where there were three boys and four girls, and I knew it was one of the boys, but I didn't know which one. And two of them, um, the one we knew had passed away in 91, and we weren't sure about the other. And then all of a sudden, this obituary popped up on Ancestry, and it was an obituary for Daniel Connors. And he had died in February of 2017, which was the same month that I found out my results. He also had died in the town next to me where I had grown up. Um, And in his obituary, it listed all the family members who had died before him and who was surviving. And he had one brother who was still alive. And then he had a a few nieces and nephew, one nephew listed as survivors. So my husband and I took that information and started looking up these family members. And we looked at, we Googled them. We looked up through Facebook. We looked them up through Ancestry. And a lot of them we couldn't find. Also, they all have very common names. So that's made it even harder. And then we realized, I finally found information on his brother who was surviving And he was much younger than the rest of them. And his age did not correspond to my mother. He would have been way too young for her. Um, So I still was zeroing in on his two brothers who were deceased. But And I kept going over the tree multiple times to make sure that I was right. And then on Mother's Day of of this year, 2019, I decided I was going to send him an email. And my Husband tried to talk me out of it. And he said, I think you want to, you, you can draft the email, but you might want to think about it. And I said, no. So I wrote up the email and I said, I think I'm a Connors. Told him what happened. Told him why that my mother had lived in Brooklyn and she went to this bar. I knew the name of the bar. I said, you know, that my uncle had owned it and my grandmother also worked at it and I believe my mother met someone there who is my father and told him how I came to that conclusion. I also included some pictures from that time period. I had gotten his email address because um, I realized he, he's in 
his early 80s and he was still he's still working. He'd owned a company and I looked him up through LinkedIn and I found the company email address. And I decided, well, I'm going to send it to his work email because, you know, obviously I thought it was kind of dicey if I tried to send something to his house and, you know, I had no idea what I was going to hear back. So I sent it to his work email and the following day I received a response and he said, I don't, I don't normally open up emails from people I don't know, but the names that you referenced in your email, I know those people. So that's what made me open it. Um, What do you know about my family? So I responded to him and told him how I came to um, figure it out. But I also gave him my phone number and said, you know, if you want, call me. Um, It might be easier to explain by phone rather than through email. So he called me and I could tell he was very skeptical, but he was also curious. He was trying to figure out like how I knew the name of this bar that he hung out at, how I knew, like he was trying to figure out how I got this information. And I kept referencing this woman, Kathy, who helped me. And he kept saying, well, I didn't, I don't know. I know we had cousins in Massachusetts, but I never met them. And I don't know. And then I said, well, her mother went, she traveled with your sister to Ireland. And then it was almost, he's like, oh, my sister did go to to Ireland with someone from Massachusetts. So I, he goes, well, can we set up a call with the three of us? And I said, sure, I can try to arrange that. So we, we hung up and that was in mid-May. And for two months, I tried setting up that call and trying to coordinate with the two of them. It just never came to fruition. Um, So all of a sudden, in the beginning to mid-June of this year, I received a note from Ancestry telling me that I had a first cousin match. So I went on my tree and I saw a name and I was like, oh, that name's really familiar. And I clicked on her. And I realized it was, she was a Connors originally. She, her mother was the sister to this fam, the sister of this family. So we matched up as first cousins. And that was my, my highest paternal match that I had ever received. So I emailed her immediately. I didn't hear back. I contacted her uncle who I'd been talking to and told him that I said, Colleen is a mat is my first cousin match. I believe she's your niece, your sister, Julia's daughter. Um, and he called me and he said, so you're a first match with Colleen. And I said, yes. And he goes, so you're first cousins. And I said, yes. And he goes, well, I guess that means your family. And he started telling me a bit about, about his brothers, because we still didn't know who my father was. Um, So he told me a bit about his brothers, and I knew that one um, was an alcoholic. He had been ostracized from the family. He was a troublemaker, and the other was also an alcoholic. But he had a huge heart and um, just had a really tough time in life. So he said that, you know, try to send Colleen another note and tell her I'll be calling her. So I said, fine. 
And then on July 4th of this year, I received a phone call. And I don't know why I looked at my phone. You know, it was a new number. But I knew for some reason, I, I looked at my husband. I go, I think this is her. And so I picked up the phone. And it was Colleen. And we spoke for over two hours. And it turned out that we had so much in common. Um, she's 12 years older than me. And I mean, it was just a great conversation. And I kept saying, well, I think your uncle's still very skeptical of me. And she's like, oh, no, 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 no. He is not skeptical anymore. Um, but we still didn't know who my father was. And so she asked me to send her some pictures of my mother from that time you know, from the um, mid sixties. And so I did, and she showed them to her brother. And he said, why are you showing me a picture of Danny's girlfriend? And she said, well, do you recognize her? And he goes, yeah, that was Danny's girlfriend. She used to bring, he used to bring her over to our house all the time. Don't you remember? And Colleen's like, yeah, I remember, but I, how do you know that's her? And he's like, oh, I remember her. And he said, and then all of a sudden one day she just disappeared. We never heard, I never knew what happened to her. So then we knew which brother was my father. Was Danny the one that you had found the obituary for? Yes. I see. That was your birth father. And when we found the picture, you know, when I found the obituary, there was a picture in the obituary of when he was young. I mean, he was probably in his 20s because you could tell it was from when he was in the service. And I, you know, I was looking at it and, you know, you look at it and you say, oh, does do I look like them? Um, and I kept showing it to my husband, like, do you see a resemblance? And he's like, I don't know. Because but the one thing I have, like, a droopy left eye that comes out, especially in a photograph. And he goes, he's got the same droopy eye thing that you have. Oh. And I said, yeah, I know. And I go, but I th also think his nose is like mine. Because I always, my nose was never like anyone in my family. Um, and see, I looked like my mother. So it was never, you know, I guess my ancestry was never questioned because I looked like her. Uh -huh. Um so when I kept looking at the picture, he's like, I don't know if you have the same nose, but he's like, it's kind of hard to tell. Um, I don't think he really wanted to um, agree or disagree at that point. Um, so, yeah. And then I, um, so I, Colleen and I kept texting and talking and such. And then she set up a time for me to meet all of them. And I went up to New Jersey in the end of August and her uncle hosted, and he had, there was a lot of people. It was pretty overwhelming. Um, it was him, himself and his wife, his three daughters, their spouses, um, Colleen and her husband, and her brother and his wife. Um, I went by myself. And, um, you know, from the moment I walked in, they were so welcoming and so loving. It was unbelievable. That's sweet. And um, they don't think, I had thought all this time that my mother probably never told him she was pregnant. 
because looking back, that's what she would have done. I think she felt um, he was a bartender, and I guess she figured he wasn't going to be able to provide for her, me, and my brother. So I think what happened was she went back to Lenny, who had proposed to her, and said, I think you, I'm pregnant, it's not your kid, but I'll, you know, marry you, although they didn't get married, which, um, and she made that decision, and he made that decision, and they never figured I would figure it out. Do you attribute that change of her personality to it, it coincided with that same time, right? Yes. When I first found out for a very short period, <laughs> I actually had a lot of uh, empathy for her because I thought how difficult that must have been to go through, you know, a large part of your life with this two huge secrets. One, you're not married. And two, your child's father is not the man you keep telling is. So she lied on my birth certificate. She lied, you know, her driver's license said his last name. And I have to explain that this was before the Patriot Act when you had to actually show, you know, proof of ID. She probably just went into the motor vehicle office and said, I got married. This is my new last name. Um, She never had to... But she had to walk around knowing these two secrets and in fear that she would slip up at some point. And I thought, how horrible to spend half your life having to hide. Um, That empathy kind of went away after a while. Sure. Why didn't she get married to, to Lenny, to your birth certificate father? I have no idea. I... My theory is that she thought, well, what what if something happens to this baby? What if this baby, you know, if she had a miscarriage or stillborn? And she thought, well, then I'm going to be stuck. So maybe I shouldn't get married and I should wait. Um, and then for whatever reason, they just didn't get married. I do know that Lenny was infatuated with her, he would have, I mean, he would have walked over broken glass on fire for her. Um, And I think that he agreed to all her demands because he felt like he won because he got her. Um, I find it kind of sad, not kind of, it is sad, that he gave up pretty much a lot. He gave up a lot. Um. His job was to go to work and come home with a paycheck. He didn't make any financial decisions. And I always thought this was odd because at this, I grew up, I'm 54. So I grew up, you know, in the, in the seventies, eighties, and most women didn't make all the financial decisions and didn't do the discipline and didn't, you know, it was mostly the men who did that. I hate to be stereotypical, but. But that was, she made all the financial decisions. She decided what they were going to spend, what they would spend it on, where they would go to, on vacation, what investments they would make. Um, if I did something, what type of discipline I got. Um, 
she made every single decision. And um, maybe part of that was because, you know, her first husband had walked out on her and maybe left her with, you know, high and dry. So she had to figure it all out on her own. I don't know. That's what I used to attribute it to. I think part of it maybe was just for her to be in control. Um, She was a very controlling mother. And um, she would never admit when she made a mistake. So, Sounds familiar. I can relate. (laughs) Unfortunately. Yeah. And all your parents are dead and you've figured this all out on your own. It's taken you years and a lot of correspondence. Yes. Um, all of their siblings were all had also passed away. So I didn't have a whole, you know, I didn't have a network I could go back to. I had called a cousin on my, on Lenny's side. I only have one cousin on that side. And, um, she had also done genealogy research before the internet and she's 16 years older than me. And I called her and told her and she was shocked because there was like a small piece of me that thought, well, maybe they weren't Swedish. Um, and she was blown away and she said, no, 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 they were definitely Swedish. Cause I traced them back, you know, to the 1700s. And she said, I hadn't, you know, we never knew. Um, she goes, you know, you, uh, Lenny and your mom, they dated for a while and then they broke up. And then all of a sudden, one Christmas, they showed up and your mom was very pregnant because I was born in January. And we just, she goes, no one asked questions. We just assumed. And the thing I kept questioning is, how come no one asked why they weren't invited to a wedding? Hmm. Um, apparently, no one, had, no one did. They just were like, oh, okay. Um, and of course, once you find out this stuff, you go back in through your mind of things that happened during your childhood and in the past, and there's little clues, but you don't really put them all together until you know. Yeah. And then things start to, oh, you start to remember this or that. And yeah, exactly. But you never, she never gave you any sort of indication this was a possibility. No. Um, You know, she would talk a lot about her time when, the time period between when my brother's father walked out to when she had me and where she kind of relived her quote unquote youth because she got married so young. And she kind of drilled that in my head that you don't get into a serious relationship when you're in high school. You don't, you know, don't get married young. I mean, she was pretty adamant about that. Um, And of course me being the very uh, obedient daughter, I didn't. Um, And I do, you know, at the time I thought, Oh, she doesn't want me to do what she did. And she wants me to live this great, you know, this fun life. But she would always talk about that time period where she was dating these people and having fun. And it never it never made sense because that's not was not the mother I knew. Like that was the complete opposite. Um and there was a disconnect. I I just didn't understand what the disconnect was. Um but no, she never gave me any indication. Hmm. 
um, my Lenny, my birth certificate father, there was one time where, because my big question after I found everything out was I thought my mother had died in 2006. He didn't die till 2012. So there were six years where he had every opportunity to tell me she was gone. So he didn't have to worry about her. And my husband hit it. He's like, he would have never told you because he promised her that he would never say anything and he wouldn't want her mem- your memory of her to be soured. Mm-hmm. So he would never tell, he never thought of telling you. And I realized he was right. Um, but there was a time about, I'm trying to think, so it was in 2007, I had a miscarriage. And they had done some genetic testing and they said, oh, you have this bleeding disorder that's genetic. So you get it from one of your parents. And I was like, really? I've never heard of it. So I called him and I said, doctor told me I have a bleeding disorder. It's genetic. I've never heard anyone having it. And I gave him the name and he went ballistic. He started yelling at me. I'm not talking about anything about that. I'm not talking about where you get this or that. We're not talking about that. I mean, he was yelling, screaming at me over the phone. And I remember thinking, that is so bizarre that he reacted that way. Yes. And then I later realized why. I think he thought I was going to figure something out or he didn't want to talk about why no one had this disorder because he didn't know where it came from. Um, and it wasn't a big deal. It was just, um, it was something that just kind of popped up when I was, whenever I was pregnant. So, but I think it scared him. Yes. But that sounds like, it sounds like he was definitely sensitive to that. Yes. But he was sensitive to a lot of stuff. (laughs) I get Um, it. And he was, he became very argumentative with me in his later years. Um, But uh, I think, yeah, that was the only time though that I thought anything was different, was off. Oh, I'm sorry for you with all of this. And I'm at the same time happy to hear that you are one of the MPEs who has some welcoming new family members as well, or, or at least it sounds that way. Oh, it is. And, um, I, in October, I met, um, the woman who helped me tremendously, Kathy. Um, she, um, was coming down to visit a family friend and we arranged to meet and I had my husband and two of my daughters were with me. And, um, then my uncle came and met us for dinner. Um, because he hadn't met my husband or my other two daughters. Um, And my cousin Colleen is coming um, with her husband the week after Thanksgiving to our home and stay with us. And they have FaceTimed with my children. Um, I mean, it's been amazing about how welcoming they've been. Um, It saddens me that Danny did not have a very happy life for you know numerous reasons, and I do wonder had he known would that have changed any any trajectory in his life? Did he ever have children? 
No, he never married. And as far as we know, he never had any other children. Oh, yes, true, as far as you know. <laughs> I say that now because... Um, but, and they said, numerous members of the family have said they do not believe he knew because they feel that if he had known, he would have been involved in my life. Oh, um, and his brother has told me that, you know, he wouldn't have been a good husband. But he said, I believe in my heart of hearts that he would have been a good father. Um, and for that, I'm very sad and that they have a very warm and loving family and that I missed out on all that. So that part makes me angry. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing all of this today. Well, thank you. And, um, it's been, you know, it's been a wild ride. I have been very open about it. Um, I don't hide it. I think at first I might've, but then I realized it wasn't my secret to keep. Um, I don't feel it needs to be hidden. I understand why some people do. Um, but for me personally, it doesn't need to be a secret. Um, I have a lot of empathy for everyone else, you know, like you and others who have gone through it. It's horrible. Absolutely horrible. It brings up a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I can relate really well um, with one of the former interviews you did, um, and I can't remember who it was, but she said how the therapists have not caught up to the NPs and they don't know how to deal with us because it's such a swelling of feelings and emotions that, and they don't really know how to help us process and reconcile it. Yes. And I too have found that. Even, you know, just comments people will make to me when they find out the things like, I don't know why you're so upset. You're still the same person that you were yesterday. I'm like, yes, I'm still the same person, but I was lied to my entire life. So, um, like comments like that. Um, So painful, so hurtful when you get comments like that. Or whenever anyone will start a sentence with, well, at least, well, at least, and and fill it in with any sort of, well, at least you knew your family. Well, at least you knew your dad. Well, as soon as they start a sentence with that, I'm like, I don't need to hear what the rest is going to be. I've learned so much empathy from being an NPE. And I bet you too now have so much more compassion, although it sounds like you've always been a compassionate person. But I I now feel so much compassion and shared emotion whenever someone is going through something sad in their life or traumatic. And it's because this has happened to me. That's very true. It's the same as like when you tell someone like something bad that happens and they say, well, you think that's bad. We didn't mm-hmm. hear this. And it's like they want to compete. Like who has it worse? And yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's hard. And I think, I don't know if you ever are fully healed from it. Um, Cause I think, you know, as things evolve, the feelings evolve and different things might pop up at different times. Um, I was very upset in the beginning because I didn't know my medical history. Half my medical history was false. 
and having to go into a doctor and say, you know, take that off my record because it's no longer valid. Um, that was hard. And one of the comments, um, my middle daughter, who's eight, who was 18 at the time when she was in the car with me and, um, I told her, she said, how can you be mad at your mother? And I said, what do you mean? How could I be mad with my, at my mother? I go, she didn't, she lied to me. And she goes, I know, but she's your mother. How can you be mad at her? And I actually had to pull over on the side of the road. And I looked at her and I said, you get mad at me. I'm your mother. So my mother lied to me. I, she died, but I wasn't eight or nine years old when she died. I was, you know, in my forties. So I don't understand what you mean. I can't be mad at her. Um, I think her, it scared her that I was, that I was angry with my own mother. And that's also been interesting is my own children's reaction. Thanks again to Kelly for sharing today. These stories are here for us to identify with. If you are an NPE that would like to share your story, email npestories at gmail.com. You do not have to give any identifying information. I am searching for more NPEs to share their story, and I'd like to hear from you. Subscribe to this podcast to hear more. Come heal with us. Thank you.